0: Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, certified financial planner and director of financial planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. Hello, everyone. In today's episode, we're going to talk about different ways that people save for the future. Our last few episodes have been focused on debt and avoiding spending. Today we're going to talk about why it's important to be saving for the future, why it's so hard for a lot of individuals to get started and stay on track, and then talk about some ways that you can recognize the different ways you are saving and maybe identify some hidden ideas uh, on how to add a few dollars to your bottom line. So when we when I talk to clients about savings, usually there's a couple of macro topics that you know, kind of reinforce the importance of why saving is so important. Uh, And simple exercise, if you were to ask uh, any of your parents or grandparents if they're alive, uh, you know, if your grandparents received a pension in retirement, you probably find that at least half of uh, older retirees are collecting some form of pension. Uh, And if you look around any job today, unless you're a teacher in a a civil, you know, working for a municipality, um, very few companies are offering pensions. Uh, And that essentially was kind of a safety blanket for individuals in retirement. Um, So without the pension kind of safety net, savings and retirement is being pushed more to the individual. Now, the, the reason why pensions are going away is kind of the second... Uh, urgency to save is that uh, life expectancies are going longer. So, uh, you know, if a company were going to fund a pension and their average employee were to work until 65 and die at 72, the company was only on the hook for a handful of years so they could, you know, plan appropriately and save and portion out money for that pension program. But now you have retirees maybe retiring at 62, even 65, but living to 95 and 100, No company uh, has planned appropriately enough or wants to budget that much for paying for employees for basically almost the same number of years they actually work for the company. So as pensions have gone away, you know, individuals are faced with the idea of having to save enough or work long enough to be able to replace uh, those, those cost of living for, you know, more years than maybe their parents or their grandparents had planned for. And then the final topic, which we're really not going to spend a lot of time on the political side of it is, but it is the uncertainty of social security. You've heard reports that social security will be out of money in 2038 or 2041. And I believe there's always going to be some form of social security benefit because it's such an important part to a lot of Americans. Um, But that benefit may be lower than you might be expecting, or you might plan on it not inflating at the same rate as some of your expenses might. So you look at all these three things, You're going, you might be living longer, you might have less re- you know, reliability from your employer, or maybe a little bit less from uh, you know, the government. So that falls on your shoulders of why you need to save. When you combine these macroeconomic ideas uh, with the micro level of how people are doing so far, you can quickly see why there's a large concern for savings. The average 38 year old has less than $100,000 saved for the future. Um, the average 65-year-old has less than $400,000 saved. And those numbers may seem big, but when you think about how much it costs to live and what that future inflated cost is going to be, it's really important for people to understand how much they need to be saving, how to start saving uh, at, at the earliest possible time, but also balancing that with uh, you know their living experiences and the things they need for today. So if saving is so important, then why is it so hard? Um, and my take on that is there's a couple things that are working against all of us. Uh, we live in a consumer economy. There's a lot of things out there that are wanting us to buy and encouraging us to live a better lifestyle and uh, enjoy uh, and you know, invest in ourselves and spend in ourselves. But all these things add up to, to bills and they add up to monthly out, outflows that usually are a lot easier to do than bringing the money in and putting it aside. Um, the second is you've heard me talk about that FOMO mentality. You know, more and more people don't want to miss out. They're not sure what will come around the corner next, so they, they want to enjoy today. Um, but that attitude is sometimes counterintuitive to savings and delayed gratification for the future. Finally is the idea of accessibility. You know, I hear clients say all the time, well, if, I, if it's in the bank, I'm going to spend it. Um, but sometimes when you save, you build up liquidity, uh, which is important for your long-term financial uh, objectives, but it also means there's more temptation there to possibly buy or use that money to spend. Um, so, you know, understanding the balance between savings and liquidity uh, versus what's spendable is is, uh, is an ongoing challenge, an ongoing debate for a lot of clients. So if you're listening in today and you're realizing that savings is extremely important, but it's also very difficult, you might start to ask yourself, what do I do now? How much should I be saving? What's the right number for me? And if you've listened to any of my past episodes, you know my answer is is it depends. It depends on How early you want to retire, how much you might have to pay for college. Uh, All these factors, you know, if you're expecting an inheritance or you're, you know, all these things will factor into how much you should be saving and how aggressive you need to be early on versus, you know, kind of catching up for the future. But I wanted to give you some, you know, simple guidelines of how to set realistic savings goals. Uh, Also, how to be aware of all the things you are already doing that you may or may not be giving yourself credit for. And then lastly, just some simple ideas for maybe hidden opportunities for savings, uh, either for you or for your family members. So if you just want a number, say, look, you know what, I I get it. I know there's a lot of things I should be thinking about, but just tell me how much I should be saving. A simple number is start with 10%. If you're not saving at least 10% of your earnings, um, you're probably behind your targets. And, you know, the challenge of that is if you are early on in your career and you're only making $40,000 a year, to save $4,000 a year might cut into your living uh, quality, your entertainment budget and other things. Um, but that, that 10% is kind of a, a starting point. Um, so you kind of look at all the money that's coming in, all the money that's coming out and say, can I save 10% of what, uh, what's, what's there? And it's important to understand it's 10% of the gross number not of the net number. So if your salary is 40,000, but after taxes and everything, your take home might only be $2,300 a month, you're not saving 10% of the 2,300. The goal is to save 10% of the 40,000. Another simple goal that I challenge clients to have is when they receive an unexpected sum of money, maybe it's an annual bonus or a tax refund, or maybe a gift or an inheritance is to have a mantra of how much to save, how much to spend, and how much to, uh, you know, maybe use for debt. So if you were to get a $10,000 bonus, maybe your goal is spend 25% now for enjoyment, put 25% towards paying down debts, and save 50% for the future. Some version of that, but really having a mantra of how to deal with unexpected or larger chunks of change um, can help really make a dent in your long-term savings plan. Next, I want to make sure you're aware of all the things you may already be doing, and, and this is a conversation I have with clients just to make sure that they're not feeling overwhelmed or, uh, you know, insecure about their kind of their savings ability. Um, you know, so just take take for example Social Security. Right now, every if you have a job, they're taking 6.2 percent of your paycheck out as FICA tax, and they call it a tax, but essentially they're going to give that back to you as a form of Social Security and that might be $2,000 a month, it might be $2,500 a month, but what I help clients understand is that if you're you're gonna get $2,000 a month in retirement for the rest of your life, that $2,000 a month, let's say you start Social Security at say 66, that's like having a half a million dollars in a pot uh, that would then pay you out income for the rest of your life. Um, Now it's not as liquid or spendable as your 401k or other assets, but you know it is a good chunk that's going in there that will be a future asset or a future income stream down the road. The other is if you own a home you know you make your mortgage payment and a lot of people kind of say well it's better than paying rent and it definitely is. Um, but you know I would kind of make sure clients take credit for the amount that's going towards principal. So if you're paying two thousand dollars a month to your mortgage and eight hundred dollars of that is going to principal that eight hundred dollars is adding equity to the home it's an asset it is savings. So that $10,000 a year that's paying down the equity of the home is an asset that you could use later in life, um, you know, and you kind of add that into your overall savings goal for the year. And then finally, it's, you know, company matching programs or company programs. So if you're putting in 3% to your 401k and your company is matching 3%, people don't take credit for that savings, but essentially you're saving 6% of your income. You know, 3% is your money, 3% is the company's. But it's all going into your bottom line. So you wanna make sure you're adding that into your level of savings for the year. And if you're a teacher and uh, you say, oh, geez, I, I don't make a lot, I'm not saving any money, but the company or your school district is taking 11% of your paycheck and putting it towards your pension, that's savings. You know, That pension is gonna be paid back to you in retirement, um, but it is essentially, it's a forced savings program, even though you don't get to control the investment. And finally, if you're looking for some you know creative or hidden ways to kind of add to your savings, uh, here's a couple of things that we you know work with clients on each uh, each year. So when you get a pay raise, so let's say you get a three uh, percent pay raise, you know try increasing your 401k deductions by uh, one so percent to capture some of that found savings. And if you have a Roth 401k, you know kind of you can refer back to our previous topics on Roth versus traditional you might want to you know, look into the different options of which vehicle to save into. Another area is uh, to set up a, a taxable investment account. And you can do this at Fidelity or Schwab or TD or some of the, you know, doesn't have to cost you much, but you can put in as little as 50 to a hundred dollars a month into these accounts. Um, and it's something that can invest and be growing for the future. Unlike a, a bank account that really isn't paying much interest. Uh, but just by putting 50 or $100 away, it's kind of a systematic saving somewhere that's outside your checking or savings that you're less likely to touch. And that could also be invested in something that's going to earn for the future. And then finally, for some of my uh, the younger listeners or, you know, maybe older listeners that have, uh, you know, younger adult children that might be living at home, a great kind of forced saving strategy is to pay rent if you're living at home. And it could be 300 bucks a month it could be 800 a month depending on what your work situation is like but typically you're at home to save money and a lot of times i find that you know kids living at home tend to spend all their discretionary income and live for free uh, but if you can basically bank in a, a rental payment with the agreement with your parents that that money is going to be set aside in a savings account for you when you officially move out um, and maybe that gets added to a roth ira each year or maybe it just gets built up as kind of a uh, a gift fund for when you're ready to buy a home or uh, you know, ready to kind of move on to the next step. Now, I'm fully aware that most individuals would expect financial advisors to tell people to save as much as they possibly can. Um, but I'm fully aware that any type of plan that goes to the extremes, like save all your money or don't spend your money, or, uh, is going to be one that's gonna fail. So you would, the goal is to think about a disciplined and realistic saving strategy that is aligned with your long-term investment approach and that you've got some systems in place to manage your spending and you know, just kind of check yourself when it comes to debt and how you uh, allocate your monthly spending. Um, and if you can do all those three things and then just have some simple exercises on an annual basis of how to you know, review your results and recognize your successes and you know, correct any of uh, uh, you know, maybe where you may be skewing off course, you're going to be in a lot better financial position than you were before you started listening to these podcasts. And that's really the the ultimate goal uh, of sharing this information is to help you and the listeners make more educated and confident decisions about their finances, both today and in the future, and how to communicate those decisions to the ones that they love. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, on Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.